than the blood letter. I heard it when she screamed the drop because the sun caught the slug. Relay this to no choice and listen to the straight up man before they ban the voice. While I ride to the rhythm of a pop, remember the first nigga to run is the first to get shot. Whoever said that what I say, you betray this negativity. Need to come kick it in the city with me and find the black and crack. In fact, they take that shit back because they don't want to fuck with that. There's too many niggas to try to come. If motherfuckers could get it, nobody would fuck with it. Appetite for destruction. For him to get a bit more shit, he gotta commit. Murder in the first degree of manslaughter. Taking the life of his wife and young daughter. A whole city of bitches that look sucked up. And the niggas is killing it straight fucked up. Whoever said what I'm saying for greed, denying even what they're trying to feed. My appetite for destruction. You guys know who I'm talking to? Appetite is tremendous, so I'm gonna spin this. Track with some violence because they asked me to end this. Some trouble at a club because I was nausea. A nigga tried to take advantage because of the kamikaze. He took a swing from my head, thought I was faded. Start running for the door, but the fucker never made it. The sound of the nine went bang. And all over the wall was his motherfucking brain. Because I'm a nigga you can't sleep on. So set the alarm, because I hit like a motherfucking bomb. I do damage with a nine in my hand. But the average nigga that don't know me don't understand. I'm from the street, so therefore, you know I don't care for. A sucker that ain't down with the real niggas, the niggas, the niggas. Yo, and that's the way this shit gotta go. And even so, at any time that the nine wanna leave. I got a 38 hitting up the sleeve. And it's ready to go to war, because that's what it's here for. I shoot down a million niggas and shoot one more. And that's a million and one that couldn't hang with the appetite Cause they wasn't rapping right, so I had to destroy Whoever was standing in my presence For fucking up the essence appetite for destruction Cops put a hurting on your ass, man, you know They really degrade you White folks don't believe that shit, don't believe cops degrade you Oh, come on, those beatings, those people are resisting a rap Check it out, y'all, in the house, y'all So I can show and flow and let the people know So won't you ease on down to the yellow brick road to Compton But first, let me show you something I possess the Ten Commandments of the hip-hop thugs You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest today is Ben or Benjamin Mara. Um, yeah. Not to be confused with the Seattle photographer Ben Mara. You're the Brooklyn cartoonist Ben Mara. Um, I guess your main comics so far are uh, Night Business and the Always Dangerous Gangsta Rap yeah, Gangsta Rap Posse. Right. You grew up listening to a lot of NWA. Um, yeah, I mean, that was right when I was starting high school was when NWA was reaching its zenith, I guess. Um, 
and you know there was like all this sort of cultural backlash to gangster rap and what NWA sort of stood for um, and you know looking back on it now it all kind of looks you know entertaining and kind of ridiculous I yeah I mean I kind of think and cartoonish not you know to like transition too cleanly there mm-hmm. um, it, I, I kind of like think about NWA as sort of like achieving a level that like a band like Kiss had you know mm-hmm. where they sort of had this aesthetic rap that, that that was wrapped around the music this sort of like um, persona or personality that was sort of larger than life um, you know and it was, it was it was a narrative it was like a story um, that was a frame for the music it immediately reminded me, like you really captured that whole early '90s is when they're doing the uh, the rap battles. Yeah, and it just reminded me of the uh, the first Easy E solo in the Chronic album, where it's just basically. Yeah, I never, I never even, I don't even own either of those albums, but I really desperately need to. Well, the whole um, the first like song in the Chronic is basically Snoop Dogg going off about everyone that can eat a big fat dick. It's like Easy E can eat a big fat dick. Like Tim Dog can eat a big fat dick. <laughs> Luke can eat a big fat dick. Right. <laughs> uh, listen to awesome. discretion be advised. <laughs> it was a great album. I love it. I can still. I gotta get it. it. Yeah, no, it's good. And then the uh, the Easy E one has the uh, picture on the inside. I think it's Easy Does It has a picture of Dre when he was in the World Class Wrecking Crew. And he's wearing right. a white disco jumpsuit. Yeah, you know, that was a cool style for him, I think. I, I think it's good. I think he needs to go back to that. Yeah. I don't think that's... I think that's actually, you know, a lot cooler than Easy e thinks it is, or thought it was. Well, what did he know that was cool? Yeah. He knew nothing. Or maybe he didn't. I'm not cool. I don't know. So when did you uh, first start making comics? Because you're saying that was when you were in high school, so you're, what, 34, 33? 33. Just turned 33. There we go. Um, you know, I, I guess I've always sort of been making comics, but I've never really um, made comics to, like, a final point where I actually was able to publish them. I always, like, lose interest like after the first or second page and just didn't have like the wherewithal to continue I get distracted and want to work on something else and then there was always like this stigma associated with making comics you know especially coming from kind of like a formal art background education um so yeah I, I, I've, al- but I've always been making comics I've, I've grew up on comics you know um Learning, I learned how to read reading Tintin, <laughs> and uh, we'd like go on these family trips, and I'd always have like some sort of like comic to bring along with me, which I would devour like repeatedly. Yeah. Um. But and then I always like try and do it myself, and I had some friends that were really um, good artists when I was in high school and junior high and middle school, 
and they were all making comics, and I was like, man, I can't, I don't feel like I can do that. They, they're like, you know, have this patience and this sort of, um, like, like their work wasn't always great, but they really were able to just sort of persevere and not get bogged down in like the quality of it, um, which I think is something that, you know, I was able to sort of do, you know, now like <laughs> 20 years later, I learned how to do that myself. Um, and, and, and now able to like finish a completed comic, but no, I've been making comics like my whole life. In college, I made a couple of comics, like 10 page comics I made, but, um, yeah, after that, I sort of went in and out, and then I, I went to grad school, and I did a comic for my thesis, but that wasn't actually ever completed. <laughs> I guess, like, <laughs> like night any good thesis. What's that? Like any good thesis. Yeah, exactly, but I I actually, um, some of my old professors, I turned in, I gave them a couple of copies of, you know, Night Business, and I was like, this is my thesis, it sort of, like, changed over the years. <laughs> Handed that in. <laughs> You know, did you get any response? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they kind of laughed. Um, uh, but you know, I, I still got my degree, so it was sort of after after the fact, years after the fact. Yeah. What was your artistic interest then, if you went to art school and kind of in a fine art? Well. I mean, well, I went to school for illustration, oh, which, okay. you know, is debatable as to whether or not it's, like, fine art. Um, actually, I don't think it is. There's not any debate, I guess. Um, no, de- well, I don't know. I guess it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to kind of measure or, I guess, account for and kind of create a spectrum of what it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's applied art. It's sort of art on demand. I mean, you can um, but guys like N.C. Wyeth, you know, or some of those guys are like really fantastic painters. Um, but anyway, so when I was in high school, I sort of decided that I really wanted to go to art school because, well, I either wanted to go to film school or I wanted to go to art school, and I sort of used the scenario, well, if I wasn't making any money doing either, which one would I rather just be spending my time doing? And it was always drawing that came back as mm-hmm. the answer. Um, and so I, I wanted to go to a school that, while I could still have like a college experience, I could still be spending you know, 70% of my curriculum in a studio learning art. Um, and I wanted to do illustration, and Syracuse University has a uh, illustration program, and I really strong art school in general um, but also you know it's like real colleges like you know football team basketball team mm. you know pretty big Greek element there although I didn't really interact no with many fraternities I, some sorority girls I was really good <laughs> <friends>. <laughs> that's a, but that's I got right. like the college experience but I also was able to you know um, really devote myself to spending full-time um, in art, you know, in illustration, learning about art, all that stuff, design, everything. Who are some of the illustrators that really spoke to you during that time? During that time? 
Um, Artistically spoke to you, not personally. Uh, Henrik Drescher was a really big inspiration to me um, throughout college. I think when I found his work, it was it was really impactful. I mean, we'd always be supplied with you know the Society of Illustrators books or American Illustration books to look through, um, just to sort of get an idea of what other people were doing, what was out there, but. Um, I think Brad Holland was another guy that I really liked. Uh, I don't know, but at the same time, like I, I always had like this guilty pleasure for guys like Boris Vallejo, and like <laughs> for I mean, Frazetta was somebody that everybody loved, no yeah. matter what. It didn't matter. He was just like people knew that he had this in, insane ability. Um, so. Like so, I always had like this kind of like you know guilty pleasure for those type of like fantasy art. There's something of the time of someone like Boris or Julie Bell or uh, Chris Achilleos that really captures that like mid '90s, early '90s aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. That that just didn't carry over well. It didn't age. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it was. You know, you're saying it didn't carry over well? Yeah, well, it didn't age well, like... Totally. Totally. It's totally, like, locked in to, like, a specific set of years, I guess. Yeah, like, it's kind of like someone looks at it now, it's like, well, you got to kind of understand the time of when it came out. Right. Of course, I'll... I, I still love that stuff, though. I love it. I mean, I could never do it, but, you know... I always I love it. I always found something really ridiculous about Boris and Julie, especially because it's basically everything is paintings of themselves as different characters. Yeah, because they're like they're, was... they're both like these like massive sculpted, you know, buff. Totally, thing. they're beautiful. They're yeah. like beautiful people. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I it's hard for me when I look at like photos of them. To imagine them actually like in the studio painting yeah. or something, you know. You think he's got to be out chopping wood and right, <laughs> totally, or just I don't know. He's like he's kind of like Buckaroo Banzai, you know. <laughs> you know, he's like painter, this like awesome like technical painter, but then he's got like his rock band that's obviously like you know sounds like this operatic like rock like arena rock, you know. <laughs> I haven't heard his music. Does he have no, music? No, I'm just sort of oh, like okay. That would be amazing. Imagining though. this is my fantasy of what Boris's life is. Sings like. falsetto. Yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> he's got his like one foot up on the monitor and he's like letting it out loud into the mic.
what did your um, pre-comics illustration work look like? Because I look... Uh, like That's really interesting. Because um, I... It's, it's, it's hard to pin down because I, like, really used that time. I was really looking for something around that time. Because as soon as I narrowed it down to, you know, I wanted to do illustration, there were times when I flirted with maybe changing my major and just becoming, like, a painter. Um, I had a professor, Jerome Whitkin, whose painting class I took. He's the brother, he's the twin brother of Joel Peter Whitkin, who's um, a really amazing photographer. Um, but Jerome Wickham is like this fantastic painter who I really liked. I really loved his stuff. Um, and he was like encouraging me to like, you know, come over to the painting side, you know, you need to be in painting. <laughs> and my, you know, illustration professor like Murray Tinkleman was like, I don't think he would have been too happy about, about that. Um, anyway, so I was trying all these so I narrowed it down to illustration, but then I wanted to know, what, well, if I'm going to do illustration, what? how am I going to... I was always trying to, like, organize things, and I wanted to figure out, all right, I'm going to do illustration. Am I going to do children's book illustration, editorial illustration, book jackets? Like, I really wanted to, like, figure out, like, all right, this is the path I need to go down to, you know, achieve success, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was experimenting a lot, and I was go from like doing really rough uh, raw drawings um, to doing extremely rendered very uh, you know no brush strokes were evident just like you know defining form and and volume space Um, so you know at the same time I was having all these professors like telling me you know the value of all these different approaches to making pictures and, you know, abstract expressionism, looking at Renaissance stuff. And so there was a lot of confusion. And so my my illustration stuff before I started doing comics is, like, very all over the map. Um, and when I went to Italy, I actually had this sketchbook where I had decided... I was looking at Francesco Clemente's stuff a lot. I know that, actually, Frank Santoro worked for Clemente, I think, for a while. That was when he was uh, apprenticing... Yeah, in New York, um, which is a really interesting connection. Because I was, I, I went over to Italy, and and my one of my professors who I loved, um, his name was Stephen Zima, and he was like one of my best professors ever. Um, he was always asking me these questions about my work and everybody's work um, that I would never even like ever considered asking myself, and so that's what I always was hungry for from my professors. I was like, I want you to ask me questions about my approach and things that I'm choosing to do that I am not already conscious of. Um, and he did that. But he gave me a book of Francesco Clemente's and I like looked through it like for like hours and I loved Clemente's drawings. I loved his paintings and so I started to try and like capture that emotional sort of that, that, that feeling that he evoked um, in his art and uh, and so I, I, I did this sketchbook where I decided that I wasn't going to censor any idea concept um, or line like 
when I would make a line, that would be the line I would keep. I wouldn't like try and like do like line after line after line trying to get it right. It would be like I wanted to be like really confident because at the, so, at the time I was wrestling with like you know this internal doubt about my stuff. I was like always not interesting enough it's not good enough it's not cool enough it's not like it doesn't it doesn't satisfy me creatively and and so i had this sketchbook that was just all these really weird like spaghetti like figures uh really sort of primitive i guess you'd say uh, but it was all like really weird like perverse sexual stuff because i was like i gotta get this stuff that i'm afraid of that's in my head out Mm-hmm. of my head and in, in, in onto like paper and in a book. The fact that it was in a book was easy because I could conceal everything. Nobody would ever see it. But I got, I was actually on the way back to Florence from Budapest um, in, on Easter weekend and I got kicked off the train on the border of Croatia and Slovenia at 2 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And I What was year like, was this? What's that? What year was this? 1998. So it was around, like, right after... It's not a good time. No, it was... I mean, Slovenia was, like... It was, like, Switzerland. I actually ended up stopping in the capital because my ticket got taken away from me. Um, They thought I was, like, a drug dealer or something. I had, like, a Fu Manchu mustache, and my hair was, like, all crazy, and I only had one bag, and I had this leather jacket on. I looked pretty disreputable. (laughs) And so I I got off the train at the capital of Slovenia try and retrieve like some money from the embassy I guess you know <laughs> and uh, and and they wouldn't help me it took me 30 hours to get from Budapest back to Florence Italy but on the on the way into Italy the you know customs guys or like the uh, border patrol guys came on the train and they were rifling through my bag and they took out this sketchbook that I hadn't shown anybody and it was all like the weirdest shit in the world that I had ever drawn and they were like leafing through it and looking at all these drawings. I was like, I felt so like upset because mm. <laughs> this is something that I had chosen not to show anybody. And uh, they were just like, they were trying to feel the paper. I guess they thought it maybe was lace with like acid or something <laughs> like that. Um, but I ended up starting, I started to show it around to people after that. And then I realized, you know, people actually think this is kind of funny. It's kind of interesting. It's not, it's not going to kill me. You know, when people see this stuff, um, so it was—it was, it was kind of like a—it uh, kind of—it kind of like gave me some confidence to maybe face some of some of the subjects that I'm like kind of afraid to, um, and maybe actually those subjects aren't as weird as I think they are, and maybe other people will connect with them too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, my illustration work. The four comics, very, very all over the map, very strange stuff, like children's books, like weird, weird stuff. I, I, I mean, I could send you like a Flickr page, and it has a lot of my old work, and it's drastically different. Although I, I think it still sort of like looks like my hand, but it's like, you know, Romeo and Juliet, and I don't know, like Victorian era <laughs> costuming, and I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed about it. It's well. I find it interesting because I look at your comics, and I mean, there's the aspect where it looks like really rough and dirty. But I look at it, and it's like this guy is knows what the fuck he's drawing. Like he's doing specific style, specific rendering. Like I kind of see that this 
isn't coming out of a bubble, I guess. Yeah. Like, I see there's a lot coming towards making this. Um, like, there's a difference between what I see with you're doing and, say, the guy doing his crime comic um, three tables over uh, about, you know, terrible rape revenge fantasy stuff and, like, just different... Uh, ideas going into the comics and kind of different understanding of yeah, what the comics yeah. are. Um, I hope that made sense. <laughs> um, I guess, what was the choice then to go in to the comic direction? Like, are you still doing illustration work, or are you just focusing on the comic? No, I, I still do. I still do freelance uh, illustration now and again. But it's funny because the comics now kind of serve as my illustration portfolio um, and they go to places that I never would think to like try and market myself as an illustrator um, mm. so I've been doing like a couple of, like, so the comics have actually gotten me some illustration work which is kind of funny um, but I don't think it's really unusual I think that a lot of comic book artists um, especially like indie comic book artists are hired for illustration work but um the decision was I, I just had this idea for this I, I mean I always like wanted to really had a strong desire to do comics I just like I said I never really had the patience or like the the will to like finish one and I was living down in Philly and I had this really terrible apartment it was really it was really cheap but it was like god awful and I would sit there and like come home at night and like watch movies and just try and like do these try and try and get like these ideas that I had for stories and for comics out on to like the page and I, I false started like for so long and then I would like lose interest and I try and like focus on just illustration work um, but then I started working on night business and I sort of changed I had I, I changed the way I approached it where I, I didn't try and plan plan out the whole comic in advance. I just kind of wanted it to be um, really organic and like almost like I was doing it in the back of like some notebook or something like that. I wanted it to have the same feel for me in the process as like something that wasn't really precious or something that wasn't going to be important um, and, and take some of the pressure off myself. And so I did like the first five pages and then there were some guys who were really interested in publishing it, and um, that sort of spurred me to finish because it was like this this carrot out, you know, in front of me, dangling, and I was able to sort of muster the energy to like finish this comic. And then I did the they they wanted me to do both the, the first and second issue, so I did the first and second issue, and then just decided that I I would rather self publish it on my own. And that's all right. Yeah. So that's how it all came about. Tell but, me about... Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. No, oh, you were finishing a thought, I think. Oh, it was just, you know... It, it, was, it, was, it was just this really strong desire to want to do a comic. Just, I, I, I don't know, I just had, it, had this story in me. I really desperately wanted to, like, make a comic book. 
it was just like a dream, I guess. And like for years, I tried and never succeeded. And then just actually having it exist was like a really big, you know, good feeling for me. Tell me about some of the influences that you're uh, channeling. I guess is the best term I can think of. Yeah, there's well, there's, there's quite a few, but um, definitely these Italian movies, the Giallo films that I was watching at the time of Night Business. I really knew I want that, that I started drawing Night Business. Um, I really wanted to sort of capture that sort of feeling, um, and then I had seen a couple of. Um, some Abel Ferrara movies that were are, are, are a huge influence on night business, but then also like movies like like that Sylvester Stallone was in like Rambo, um, Rambo Two, which is I think it's called Rambo Two: First Blood, yeah, Part Two, no, Rambo Two: First Blood, I think. Yeah, that's it. And then Cobra, Cobra is like a really huge movie me that's him sort of trying to be Clint Eastwood I guess but it's, it's a re- that's a really weird movie um, but I love that movie um, and then from from like an artistic standpoint uh, Kirby is definitely like my top guy my, my whole like structure for like how I break down panels on a page is modeled completely after Kirby I don't do his like four panel page but it's always like a three tier mm-hmm page um well I was, I was really blown away by your uh, where the wild things are kirby homage oh really that oh was, thanks that was spot on i uh i have a lot of problems with that because i had to do that so fast and i didn't really know what to do but johnny ryan was the one who contacted me about doing it and he was like just keep it kind of like pg-13 <laughs> and that's not really like my scene but i was like well you know kirby is you know a good sort of model for that mm-hmm. type of you know, PG-13-ness, I guess. And, uh, I mean, I loved that book when I was growing up, Where the Wild Things Are. It's an amazing, amazing book. I never, I didn't see the movie. Um, I didn't really want to. But um, um, I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, so Kirby's like a huge influence. Um, but then guys like, like Paul Gulacy is like my Ace, yeah. that guy. Aesthetically, I remember I, I hated his stuff when I was growing up. Hated it. And then I read this article for this interview with Steve Rude. Steve Rude was talking about how much Paul Gulacy had influenced him. And I was like, man, I gotta go look at Paul Gulacy's stuff, like, give it another shot. And then I just started looking at it more and more. I just eventually just, like, won me over, and I can't get enough of his stuff now. Um, and guys like Tim Vigil are really big influence. Um, and then this guy who did this uh, book called American Century that was like I think late '90s. Howard Chaikin and David yeah, Fishman yeah. wrote it, and this guy Mark Laming, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, um, a British guy drew it with John Stokes inking it. And that book I love. I like. I keep the complete set like right by my chair and whenever I'm just sort of like relaxing I'll just like start reading it because I love that book um, 
every page of my business is trying to be a page of American Century and just not being that at all. That's funny. I never even connected to the two, but I could see a little Howard Chaykin in there, too. Wait, what's that? I could see a little Howard Chaykin. Yeah, yeah, I mean, somewhere. I really love, like, the way Howard Chaykin writes badasses. Yeah. Like, he really is good at it. Because he's kind of one really himself. Is. I mean, what's that? He's kind of one himself, too. Yeah, no, he is. He is. I mean, I've never interacted with him, but I've seen him on panels before. That guy's that guy's cool. <laughs> he he is. makes like being being comic book artist cool. Yeah. Well, he's very engaging and charismatic and Yeah, he, and he's really like he's the kind of guy that can tell you to curse and just like yeah. be a tough guy. He 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 could tell you to fuck off and be like, Alright. I'm fine yeah. with that. <laughs> That's okay. Totally. Would, he could yeah. tell you to fuck off. Right. But I mean, I, I have the problem that I have with like a lot of comics these days is there aren't really very many like like macho badasses in comics. No, you know, and I kind of miss that. And so that's what I was trying to do with Night Business too. Was like I wanted Johnny to be like, you know, this guy who operated by his own code, mm-hmm. and you know, he was just gonna like take care of shit no matter what. No matter by all means necessary. Um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, Chicken Chicken has like a good template sort of set for like what a cool, you know, comic book hero can be like a badass. An anti-hero. Um, what's that? An anti-hero. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then I, I really love TV and uh, shows that are on HBO, like The Wire and True Blood, mm-hmm. and the way that they sort of like pace themselves during an episode. Um, those are those are TV is a really big influence on me. I've just recently got into Doctor Who, <laughs> and uh, so I'm like trying to like absorb all of like the Doctor Who I can. Do you like to kind of be a cipher in a way of all this, the sources that you bring in and kind of put out yeah, something yeah, that yeah. feeds it or feeds into that? What was that last part? Or if kind of feeds into it. kind of. I yeah, totally. I mean, I kind of feel like my stuff is just, like I take in all of this information from like popular culture and then it like refracts in my brain and then it comes out as like the comics. Or like a drawing. How know? how far are you planning on taking night business? Well, the arc that I have set up right now, the story arc is for like seven issues. Um, but I mean, I'd like it to just keep going on and on and on. I mean, I don't think I'm gonna have like any um, shortage of ideas. I, I it's just a matter of me having the time to to put them all down. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I have I, so I have like the this story will run probably seven issues. The way it's going now, it's looking like it was originally just going to be five, but the way it's sort of stretching out, it looks like it's going to be seven. It could be eight. What was the choice to kind of detour for a bit and do the one issue, the gangster rap posse? Uh, it's I, I have to I have to um, I've got I, I actually have about a dozen other first issues of comics outlined. And mm-hmm. save them on my computer, and I just have to do them. So I want to do like one issue of Night Business, and then one issue of something else, 
and just sort of like alternate because I just I, I, it, it, those are cooking like on the back burners and I need them to like I need to attend to them and get them out mm-hmm. out of my brain you know um, but at the same time it, it refreshes my interest in night business after I finish an issue of night business I'm kind of like man I don't want to work on another issue of night business for a while yeah. and then I sort of get ramped up to do something else I do that and then by the time I'm finished with that I'm like man I want to get back to night business so uh, it serves a purpose for me and that keeps me fresh it keeps my interest level high in working on it how long does an issue take you to do? It takes me six months, um, but that's with a day job. Um, I think that if I just could work on comics full-time, it would probably take me about a month, month and a half, yeah. just from, like, outline to picking it up at the printers. I think it would take me about a month and a half. And is uh, self-publishing something you want to continue doing with it? You're not looking to... Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm open to anything, you know. If if somebody wanted to like make traditional comics like an imprint somewhere, that would be awesome. But I'm very very content with like my life and my creative output at this point. That if it does, if it never happens and it just goes on for like thirty more years, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we have to look forward to in the future? Well, I'm working on a comic now that's not related to either night business, night business or gangster rap posse. Um, let's say it's like a political thriller, but I don't want to like give away too much. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, and then I have I have a bunch of like freelance things um, cooking right now. And, um, yeah, that's about that's about it as far as like the comics go. Well, I enjoy the comics. Cool. They're good comics. One, two, three, four! Up every day! I see the same face! I'm fucking pitching you! It's in the attitude! If you can see yourself!